We are back. It is me and John, far less crowded this week, but just as much filmy pleasure for your ears. We're going to be reviewing X-Men Dark Phoenix, the final film in the X-Men franchise. We'll find out if it has been worth the seven films and 20 years of storytelling. We're going to be reviewing a Netflix original, Always Be My Maybe, a comedy which is basically about what happens if you're a really rich chef. And finally, we're going to play Call It, where John, spoiler alert, does not do well. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. John Crick, how are you doing, sir? I am amazing. How are you? you? Are you feeling better? I'm feeling all right. I had a bit of hay fever over the week. It's been a, a manic week, but I imagine it's been a really awesome week for yourself being a Liverpool fan. Have you come down yet? Oh, mate. Best best weekend ever. It made going back to work uh, very doable. So, uh, yeah. But this is not a football podcast, Plenty. No, no, no. Very true. So, what you been, uh, what you been watching? What have been watching the last week? Well, me and uh, my wife have continued to watch Chernobyl. So we've just got the last one to watch now. No spoilers, please. Um, but yeah, Chernobyl, phenomenal. It's the highest rated TV show. I think they boast about that before like there's a chance for any bad reviews to come in. But either way, <laughs> it is brilliant. And it was at like 97, 98% or something ridiculous. Um, I've been watching a ridiculous sketch show on Netflix called Limmy's Show. I don't know. You know Limmy, the uh, Scottish comedian? Yep, yep. <laughs> His show is the most... You watch. You know sketch shows, they're very hit and miss anyway. I can go. From, mm. I can be confused for 10 minutes of that show and then there'll just be one sketch that will just have me in tears of laughter. So, so funny. Um, but also <laughs> kind of sometimes just weird. But yeah, love it. What about you? Nice. Uh, I've jumped on the hype wagon for uh, Chernobyl as well I'm only three episodes in but it is gripping isn't it there's only there's one guy's voice though and uh, one of my friends Michael who's been on this pod a couple of times he was he he said unfortunately once I tell you this you're never gonna be able to unsee it or hear it the guy's voice who is like in charge of the power plant who's just like everything's under control (laughs) everything's fine and like every time I hear him speak I just it just cuts through me now. Um, but it That's is a bleak. really good impression. Oh, and you, his man. voice, oh, I, I hate being judgmental, but it's just it. I know exactly what you mean. It's really hard to listen to, but I think it's yeah. what good casting. Very true. You know, what it reminds me of. I don't know. The only reason why it reminds me is because of accents. Obviously, stories are completely different. But you know, like in Death of Stalin, where they basically mm-hmm. go, you know what? We're not going to try and do localized accents because it's either going to come across as as us being xenophobic or, or it's like a parody or something. We, we don't want to We don't want to go down that route. Look, if we want Hitler to be a Yorkshireman, he can be a fucking Yorkshireman, right? And everyone in this TV show, Chernobyl, um, seems to just, you know, we, we're fucked uh, trying to do accents. We'll just let the actors do whatever they feel na- is natural to the, the drama of the scene. Because let's face it, this is an interpretation. Obviously, we know some of the truth, but this is this is meant to be entertainment to an extent. So, who really cares about what accents people have? That so, I kind of like that they kind of said, "Nah, fuck it. Yeah, we'll go authentic with the emotion, not necessarily with with our accents." Did you get that? 
I think, yeah, I think that's a great call from them. And I think a lot of shows should heed that advice and do a similar thing because otherwise you're just thinking about the accent and it's, there's no difference really, is there? They're still speaking in English. So uh, I think that was a really, really good call. Um, But so, yeah, bold call, very bold, but, um, but yeah, it works. It works so well. Have you heard? Guy. Oh yeah, what have I heard? What 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 have you, what you heard asking? that Russia are making a retaliatory uh, sh- show that's going to be steeped in sort of patriotism that's going to blame Chernobyl on the USA? A kind of conspiracy theory <laughs> that the US somehow caused Chernobyl. Um, there's of course there's a conspiracy for everything nowadays. So in in reaction to this, they're they're actually making a an alternative Chernobyl, which is uh, kind of hilarious and uh, scary at the same time i kind of now want someone like sasha baron curran to to make his version of events as well just to just to really even out the grounds of uh, of politicization because i think he'll just do a fucking hilarious version <laughs> of it it's yeah it's incredible news when i saw it you think is that the onion and you're like nope that's the bbc russia to make its own show about chernobyl that implicates the u.s Wow. Incredible. What a time to be alive. Anyway, let's speaking of news, let's let's crack on with news. News. So Quentin Tarantino uh, is obviously very, very busy working on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, but still somehow he's found time to greenlight this new project. Uh, where do you sit on Django Unchained in terms of, like, where does it sit in terms of uh, Tarantino's movies? I think it's about mid-table, um, or maybe actually just, just above mid-table. Let's think of Leicester City. Uh, doing pretty well <laughs> i think it's a it's a really enjoyable good movie quite hard to watch sometimes but um you know a bit long <laughs> and it's a bit, what what about you where does it sit for you i'd say oh no it's not mid-table it's at least top five and i realize he's only done nine films um yeah you're probably right i i generally really do like that film though i think leonardo dicaprio is such a surprise package in that film it, it makes it transcendent in my opinion and um, anyway uh Quentin Tarantino allows his IP to be used in other forms as long as he gives the sign-off on it. And there's been a Django Unchained comic book. And uh, it's been running for a little while. And there's been a comic book sequel uh, which has now crossed crossed swords with the world of Zorro. And they're actually going to make a movie where Django meets Zorro. How fucking incredible is that? He must have... I mean, he must have been really impressed with it. The idea and it must have something to it, so... Wacky. Very uh, intrigued about that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is going to be classed as the official Tarantino canon because, you know, like he keeps saying he's going to retire after 10 films and and he's obviously, once upon a time, Hollywood's his ninth film. I don't think this is going to be that 10th film. I think he'll probably produce uh, a la like he does um, on films like uh, Dust Till Dawn and stuff like that. I think he'll probably be in a producing capacity. It'll be awesome if they do get some of the original cast members back. I mean, yeah, I'd love to see Jamie Foxx play that role again. Drink, oh, oh, they get Zorro. Do you think they'll get Antonio Banderas back? Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Be a bit uh, like the Expendables, bring up the old guard back. <laughs> I generally actually enjoyed his Zorro movies. I, I, it was on TV the other day because it was a bank holiday in the UK and there's always the mask of Zorro on. And you completely forget that the first part of that film legitimately is trying to tell you that Anthony Hopkins was Zorro in Mexico during the revolutionary days <laughs> it genuinely a very underrated movie though i i always found it. it was a bit of a classic in our house growing up and Catherine zeta jones 
um, is amazing in it. Maybe I was just childhood crush, you know. <laughs> it's the right time when you were a kid. Fall in love with Catherine Zeta-Jones. And what was the other one she was in, which was basically just her and old man cop off um, entrapment? Sean Connery, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and life imitates art. She ended up marrying Michael Douglas, right, who's of a probably a similar ilk of age. Anyway, let's move on. So Warner Brothers, we've been talking about streaming services and things in between of that, and Warner Brothers have formally announced that they're going to be doing their own streaming service. They're going to be bundling in HBO as well as a bunch of their other sort of Turner, was based in Turner but now moved away from Turner-based channels. Um, I think the DC Universe app is going to fold into this as well. John, do you think this is going to be a compelling proposition do you think this is going to be, or is it just another crowded marketplace edition that we're getting now? Well, they've obviously seen everyone else go that way. And for, I mean, I will say HBO have been really consistently bringing out great shows for a long time, and there's been no good place for them if you want to watch them. HBO Go, maybe, but. Uh, or sometimes that comes over to Sky Atlantic, but it's not. I mean, there is room for them and you only really need one game of thrones to for people to subscribe so i mean if they're hedging their bets on hbo to bring out some quality tv i think they're probably a good shout but same time are we going to spend in 60 quid a month on subscribe uh you know movie subscriptions tv subscriptions in the in a couple of years i think like very possibly yeah i think it's getting to a point where it's going to be very similar to sky or cable where You've got a platform, but then you're going to have to buy bolt-ons and channels, and these bolt-ons are essentially these streaming apps, right? You're going to be spending your your tenner, which actually Netflix is going up as well in the UK soon. That's going to go to eleven ninety nine for for their big package now. So you're going to spend your your money on Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Disney uh, Plus. That's going to hoover up loads of people. Uh, Apple TV potentially, although I, I'm not convinced that's going to be a big player yet until they get enough original content to make it worth it. And um, yeah, where the sky sit in all of that? And if Warner Brothers do decide to really be, go deep on this and say to Sky, okay, no more of our content, Sky Atlantic, which is basically the HBO channel for Sky, that will that will cease to exist in the way we know it. So, and they've got some real original content pieces coming through. We've got Westworld season three coming in twenty twenty. Uh, did you see the trailer for that? No, I didn't ever finish season two. Um, should I? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> um, it's yeah. Season season one of Westworld, like in my opinion, Brilliant. is yeah probably one of the best, definitely the best first season of a TV show ever. Um, and I don't know where that would sit in terms of like the best TV shows ever, but definitely a, the best start to a show ever. But season two, it just I don't know. It went so preachy up its own ass with the whole timey whiny thing of oh where are we starting where are we finishing bernard let's talk about the robot more and it's just i don't know it it did not sit well with me and they spoiler alert they do this whole narrative of uh robot heaven and i can't help but laugh and think of red dwarf and go but where do all the calculators go um but <laughs> yeah it's not <laughs> it, it didn't end well so season three my understanding is it's a massive time jump. In fact, it's pretty much a whole new cast. Aaron Paul uh, from Breaking Bad, Jesse, nonetheless, is going to be the lead in it. So maybe, maybe this is that kick up the arse it needs to, to revitalise it. Not to mention, though, the, the Game of Thrones prequel stuff it's making. So there is an argument there for compelling uh, 
original content to be on there so i suppose let's just see what happens pricing wise it's looking at 18 dollars a year sorry 18 dollars a month i should say and which will probably translate to about 11 12 pound a month if it did become a uk proposition which you know potentially uh, do you, is that enough for you john would you would you fork out a tenner odd a month for this it's quite a lot isn't it problem is we're we're all used to we're the generation that paid for netflix and that was all we paid for right and it costs what eight pound a month and it's without realizing we've you know for the last few years we've had an absolute bargain and at some point there's going to be a reckoning isn't there of like actually uh we've sort of been underpaying for this the amount of joy that people get out of netflix <laughs> doing to what they pay i think kind of been getting a bargain and you don't want to tell them that but um i think there's we're soon going to be tested to see how loyal we are to all these companies and i think people will end up spending a fair chunk on these products yeah. unfortunately nah i agree with you anyway tv aside uh, we're coming up very soon to comic-con the the big one in the states uh, every year we'll do a special where we'll pull apart the news and stuff but what we won't be talking about is dc uh, they've announced they're not going to be in hall h they decided to do that via patty jenkins on her twitter account uh, but to kind of soothe the souls a little bit because a lot of people are like wow what the fuck we want to know more about batman because you just cast star bats and and what's happening with wonder woman that's supposed to be dropping really soon so they dropped us a pretty cool poster and um, I, I we've shared it on the twitter account i think it looks fucking awesome uh i watched wonder woman the other day actually because sky were doing like a superheroes channel thing and and uh i, I always make sure that i point it out to my daughter because that was actually the first film she ever saw when she was uh, only a few months old and we tried venturing out for the first time as a family we went to the cinema and watched wonder woman and she generally sat down and, and slept through most of it so there you go uh, but the film actually <laughs> It still holds up. I mean, it's still got that third act, which is just pretty shit, you know, in comparison to other films, but it still holds up. Are you excited about the new Wonder Woman movie? Uh, not especially, but I do like the poster. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, it's uh, a pretty cool poster. I agree with you. I think Wonder Woman had definitely had its... Uh, it came along at the right moment. Uh, it was sort of a, an average to good movie come along at a very the right moment. Um yeah. So I I can't I don't hold up huge hope for the second, but I'm willing to be proved wrongfully as ever. Yeah, the only thing is I feel like they've painted themselves into a corner with all this sort of stuff, right? Because they've they've set these one these Wonder Woman films are set in the past, and we know that she's all right because she's in BVS and Justice League and stuff like that. So they can't change the character fundamentally in terms of personality because she's pretty much the same person just matured a little bit i suppose in justice league isn't compared to to wonder woman so she can't really go through too much of a character arc and um, she can't like she can't even change her fucking outfit it's pretty much the same outfit so yes in the post they're showing her in some new stuff but at some point she's presumably going to throw on the old stuff so i i just don't see Whenever it's prequels and you know the person is, even though you know it's just these sort of stories, you're supposed to root for the hero and guess what? The hero is going to win at the end. So yes, it's pretty much a given that that protagonist will survive everything. But the fact that you know this is a prequel, it just loses all of the I don't know the suspense, the drama, yeah, man. and I, I'm just not prequel that problems, stuff. man. I'm never a fan of prequels in general because you know where it's going to end up, and that. I love the fear. I like the unknown, um, and that's the fundamental prequel problem for mm. me. But yeah, well, well. Speaking of things that have got problems, Bond twenty five. Uh, this uh, so we've had 
Daniel Craig got injured on set. We had a stuntman got injured on set. We've now had another part of the of the set catching fire, and you're hearing all these reports of other injuries happening. I've got to ask the question: Is this film cursed? I mean, it's already got to live up to such high standards, with it being the 25th Bond, uh, Daniel Craig's last outing, and it is fair to say that the action movie genre has propelled forward in the last two years. If you just watch any of Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise's collaborations. That's been propelled into a new stratosphere. John Wick has taken us to a new dimension as well with action. So there's a lot of pressure here for Bond to come out on top. And I uh, I asked the question, is this film cursed before it's even come out? Are they just pushing so hard to make something amazing that people are getting it injured? <laughs> In which case, kudos, <laughs> guys. Go for it. It's 25th Bond. Go all out. If you have to expend a few actors' lives... Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> it is becoming kind of like a rite of passage, though, to be fair, most of these sort of films now. So there always seems to be a guarantee of your your star of a certain age will actually get injured because they've pushed themselves too far. Like Tom Cruise, pretty much in every Mission Impossible film, has paused production because he twisted his ankle really badly trying to run it for a billionth time or, or whatever. Um, Harrison Ford... He famously was getting injured before um, while they were filming lots of the indie movies. So maybe it's just a thing. Maybe it's just, oh, it's only a really good film if your star gets injured. So we'll just we'll just plant those seeds out there. Who knows? But to be honest, look, let's face it. We all know what this is. This is the one before Idris Elba comes in. So let's just get it out. <laughs> set it over the sunset. Danny Boyle will then do the dinner circuit saying what he would have done with Bond. And uh, mm-hmm. then, then we'll all move on. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty much it really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, classic older uh, shows that are being remade, uh, Jurassic World is getting a... Uh, so I was trying one of your segues, Flinty. How did it go? <laughs> it was really bad. You know what? I'll give you a 5 out of 10, but there's definitely an A for effort. <laughs> a for effort. Can, maybe you can do a better one. How do you go from Bond to Jurassic World? You're the master. Uh, f- uh, from one dinosaur to another. Oh, mate. That's why That's why you're the Segway king. <laughs> Anyway, John, tell us about this. So we've got a, a new Jurassic Park TV show coming. Jurassic World is getting a TV animated show for kids, I I hear. So are we thinking The Land Before Time? Um, <laughs> I think there's a dinosaur. There's definitely a gap for an animated dinosaur series. I Who doesn't love dinosaurs more than kids? So what about you? How are you feeling about it? I I agree. First of all, they dropped a trailer for this earlier on in the week and no one kind of knew what this was supposed to be because they dropped it on their official Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World uh, social media accounts and kind of teased about something new was coming. So some people were thinking this was going to be a video game or a VR experience because it is very much from the first person view, the stuff they were showing. And then you you find out that it's actually this animated show, which I think they're making in partnership with Netflix. And it's going to be distributed on Netflix in certain countries. And, you know, they need to figure out all that, that licensing stuff. But have you seen uh, Fallen Kingdom yet? Uh, Yes. Okay. So we, we know that Jurassic World doesn't exist anymore. So again, it's that whole prequel thing of, Oh, well, why are they making a why are they making a show set on? We know that the park falls apart. You know what? I'd love them to make a Jurassic Park film where nothing goes wrong in the park. You just go look round for a day, and it's, it's a great time. <laughs> the kids won't mind. 
they don't understand. It's, it's fine. We can tell them about Jeff Goldblum when they're older. <laughs> there should be a Jeff Goldblum exhibit. <laughs> just oh, there will be just lots day. of Jeff Goldblums. Oh, yeah, and and we'll all go, and they'll take all our money on that. Yeah, I'm I'm you know, I'm jazzed for this. Uh, my daughter is going through her dinosaur phase at the moment. We watch Jurassic Park religiously. She calls herself Doctor Ellie. It is the most adorable thing in the world. So <laughs> anything more that I can add to that, I'm all for it. Awesome. Are you a you're a video game man? Uh, and it's just been a minute since we've had AJ on the pod. And shout out to him. I know he's going to be over E3. Uh, next week and uh, I, I don't think we can say much more than that but yeah good luck pal if you're listening um, but did you ever play the Uncharted games? Uh, a, a little bit yeah I was very aware of them because um, obviously I worked in the games industry for a bit and everyone went mad for that one very known for its uh, you know kind of epic story it kind of one of the first films uh, sorry games that crossed over almost to a film style epic storyline uh, what about you yeah i loved it it was basically if you're gonna make indiana jones in the modern world in video game format you don't get much close than uncharted uh great games it had its run four game four incarnations and uh it's a, yeah it's a, it holds dear in many people's heart in fact it holds dear in many fans of heart someone who actually went out and made a live action fan film and uh, this was something which was self-funded, but they went and got a legitimate actor to come in and take the lead. And this legitimate actor, uh, Nathan Fillion, uh, who plays as Nathan Drake in this fan film, was 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 the star of the show. And everyone loved it. You can go on YouTube right now and watch it. It's great. Now, it was so great that Nathan and the team decided to really push the Sony picture, saying, you should make this as a film. And they said, you know what? You've made a really tasteful version of our property. We love it. We're not going to get you to pull it down. In fact, we're going to make an Uncharted film. Thank you so much for the inspiration. And Nathan, you look the part. You are Nathan Drake. Thank you. We're going to go cast Tom Holland now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and they've announced it. uh, Uncharted is a movie. It's coming out in 2021. Spider-Man, Tom Holland, is going to be the lead in this. Um, First of all, Tom Holland is a fantastic actor. Spider-Man aside, go look at his body of work. Seriously, he has done some amazing stuff considering his age. He is going to be a star for a very, very long time. But the character of Nathan Drake, for every time I've played it, especially towards the later versions of the series with uh, Uncharted 4 and stuff like that, he's like in his 30s, near his 40s, like kind of that middle-aged sort of character. So they're going to have to do a lot of uh, reshaping of the narrative for this to work. So they've kind of had to adjust it for the actor. That being said, Tom Holland is a great actor, so I'm kind of happy from that perspective. What's your take? Um... It'd be interesting. We've talked a lot about video game kind of remakes as films and how they're mostly unsuccessful and uninspiring. So let's hope it can buck the trend. True, but I'm starting to come around to the idea of games that are made in a cinematic uh, lens does not necessarily mean that that's still going to translate onto the big screen. A great example is Tomb Raider. the reboot of Tomb Raider, when you play it, you go, this is, like a, this is like a movie. This is incredible. I love it. And then when we heard that they were going to re- be remaking this as a film, we were like, oh, okay, awesome. And they take some big set scenes from the game. Like, they, they do. It's a, it's, a, it's a faithful adaptation. 
but it still doesn't translate into a good film. So I, I don't know. Um, that being said, if we've got the right talent behind this, if they treat this like it's a, this is going to be the modern Indiana Jones for a generation and go at that approach rather than literally try and take the game and replace that scene for scene or beat for beat, they might end up with something a lot better in my opinion. So anyway, let's see, yeah, as we always say, let's see. Um, and let's see Tom Holland actually in, in the gap, right? Um, a lot of people were hoping for Oscar Isaacs to to be the lead in this because he's an incredible actor and there's loads of photos of him wearing very similar clothes to the character and people are putting the two and two together. Uh, you've got to feel sorry for the guy who played Nathan Drake in the fan film though. Uh, Nathan Fillion like I you've really got a feel for him like you've you've spent all this time pushing this project through and yeah you find out that not only are they going to commission the work but you're dropped from it yeah it's one of them it's like let's get some A-lister in uh I mean my wife has a very similar gripe in the musical theatre world when they cast someone who came fifth in the voice or you know something as uh as lead <laughs> uh, and the musical <laughs> theatre stars Lose that. Oh, oh, all right, fair enough. Well, then uh, I'll I'll withdraw my submission to the voice for this year. <laughs> and uh, that's your news for this week, ladies and gentlemen of NASA. This is Charles Xavier. Help is on the way. We're doing space missions now. Cool. We get the astronauts. We bring them home. Go. The heat signature's rising fast. We gotta get out of here. Where's Jean? Where is she? X-Men Dark Phoenix is the conclusion of all the X-Men movies. Obviously, Fox was purchased by Disney, and that meant they had to land the ship and get this film over the line. There have been notorious reports about reshoots and troubles with the scripts and everything in between of that. I'm going to try and park that for one second and just basically tell you the the general narrative of this film. So this is set 10 years after the events of X-Men Apocalypse. The X-Men have been doing a good job it's the 90s everyone's a bit hipper now and everyone's a little bit more grown up and into their superpowers and there is a mission gone awry a spaceship is floating around the earth there's an issue that's going on and charles sends the x-men to go save this spaceship uh, upon being in space there is an accident and Jean gray is caught up in the gist of it all and that unearths the phoenix a power she has had buried deep down in her subconscious from when she was a child. The film actually opens up from the event of her, her the death of her parents and meeting Charles for the first time and having her powers subdued so that the phoenix will never never come awry. Anyway, uh, while she's discovering these new powers, a race of aliens land on Earth, led by Jessica Chastain, trying to unearth this power and basically trying to turn Jean against all the X-Men. I'm not going to go into much more stuff spoiler details and that but this is a narrative that's actually uh, been been used before uh, x-men 3 the last stand was basically trying to shoehorn in this this dark phoenix storyline and it's kind of universally panned as one of the worst superhero movies ever and yes that is in a series that has x-men origins wolverine and um, the guy who wrote that film is actually a gentleman called Simon Kinberg. and amazingly he was commissioned to be the director of this film so they went right You've done this story before, and you didn't do a particularly good job, and everyone hated it. So we'll get you to direct the, the second attempt at doing this. That'd be a good idea. And uh, on top of that, they decided to uh, reshoot basically the entire third act. Um, they decided to change the location, change the the output of the story, and they'd done that within the last couple of months, meaning that production was very haste and 
quite rushed. Uh, I'm going to try and find some positives here first and foremost before I start kicking this one. Uh, basically, if you are a fan of the X-Men franchise, and I mean it, the franchise in its entirety, so yes, the Brian Singer days right up until First Class and beyond from that, this is supposedly your swan song. This is supposedly the combination of all the work put together in here. And there are some little fan moments. Yes, we've got James McElroy back in the role of Charles Xavier. We've got Michael Fassbender back. Jennifer Lawrence is in this, albeit for about 10 minutes. Uh, Nicholas Holt is also back as Beast. And Sophie Turner, uh, fresh off of her, I suppose, uh, I suppose global popularity, if you can, you know how to call that, uh, from ending Game of Thrones is definitely the lead here. She has given tons of screen time, and I'm I'm a fan of Sophie Turner, but I think that she this film is just a little bit too big for her, and the script does not do her any justice anyway. Uh, Ty Sheridan, the guy from Ready Player One, he's back as Cyclops. Very similar to an X-Men Last Stand. He's barely in it. Um, Evan Peters is back as Quicksilver as well. Uh, Jessica Chastain is... She's playing the bad guy, and it's a very one-dimensional bad guy. Unfortunately, she's not given much to chew on. And uh, they change the narrative. They don't even bother explaining anything about these aliens. I mean, this is the first time aliens has appeared in these films. No one's sat there and gone, did we just make first contact with aliens? Nope. We're not going to talk about that? Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, where, where else can I go with this? So, Jennifer Lawrence is obviously one of the biggest actors in the world. And every year she does an X-Men movie. And you always hear the same reports of she doesn't want to do it. Uh, she's she's literally taking Fox to the cleaners with the contract. And uh, she's wants some changes done to, to the narrative. So, it makes her life a little bit easier. I, I don't want to be wearing the costume all the time. I don't want to be doing certain types of shooting i only want to be in certain parts of the films and you get this from the trailer it's not a spoiler alert they literally use her as a plot device to basically be the moment that the phoenix turns on everyone she she kills her basically um what can i say that is good about this film so the effects are absolutely stunning um most of the time uh, you can really see the the level of detail that's gone into trying to make this character really pop uh, when i mean pop i mean the dark phoenix i saw it in 4dx which was an experience i really did enjoy that have you ever done 4dx before john no i have not i'd love to though well i i highly recommend it uh, yeah this 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 film lends itself to that um Michael Fassbender, again, he's in it, and what he uses in it is quite good. James McElroy really does try and eat the scenes he's in. He's got quite a nice meaty role in this, obviously being the guy who found Jean and, and suppressed her powers, and all of a sudden the crimes of his past is now coming back to haunt him. And you can see he's really trying to carry that across. The only problem is is that the script is quite poor. The, it's edited in quite a weird way. The way the film jumps from character to character does not give a good enough coherent storyline. And it just goes out in a whimper. Uh, the final act really... If you think this is supposed to be... If, you're make, if you know this is your last film you're going to make of this franchise forever, then... Do it for the fucking fans. Like this should be a love letter to anyone who loved the TV show or the films or the spin-offs that have come from that. You should be dropping Easter eggs left, right, and centre. You should be playing the fucking do 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 do. At some point, this should be that real handshake and hug to a franchise that people have grown up with for twenty years, and they did just miss the ball completely. And um, I'm going two out of five on this. The general response from, I suppose, critics has been either they loved it or they hate it. Uh, I think Empire gave it three out of five, and I'm, I 
and this is me kicking back at Empire. Yes, I may love you and want to be you when I grow up, but mm-hmm. you can't give Godzilla one and then give this a free. Like, no, sir, I do not buy what you're selling. Um, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Adam Flint, and I did not like this movie. Two out of five X-Men Dark Phoenix. It's the latest game we've been playing on our pod. Lots of people seem to be liking it, and we're keeping it going. So basically, I will say to one of my guests the name of an actor. For example, I would say Tom Hanks, and they'll have to tell me the number of films they could think of right in the spot uh, of that actor. So I'd say Tom Hanks, and John might say five, and I'd say, okay, call it. And he would have to list out five films that have starred Tom Hanks. If he can do that, he gets the points. We go back and forth for three rounds. Whoever has the most points on the board at the end is the winner. John, I keep I ask this to all the people that play this. Any preparation? What do you? What sort of mindset do you need to be in? Because the pressure on this, as we heard with Jamie last week, it can fuck you up. Yeah, well, I've I've been through my phases with this, um, but I'm, I'm <laughs> basically terrible at it. So um, I did try just reading IMDb for a bit. You know, it's like <laughs> reading a di- dictionary, though, isn't it? It's kind of pointless. Um, so now I no more preparation. Um, I'm sort of a. a, a proper low point with this game um i hate the jingle and, <laughs> you just want uh, it to end i just want it to end right now no go on I, I, i'm i'm doing it for you flinty i want you to embarrass me just one last time okay all right okay well in that case do you want to go first or do you want do you want to hit me first i'm gonna hit you first this time all right cool are you ready go for it all right Born ready start nice and why before we start just some ground rules obviously Mm. if there's any obvious googling going on you're disqualified from that round if you um too much and that's to the discretion of the the person uh being challenged uh that will disqualify you as well so if you're like uh you're trying to buy time then yeah you're clearly bullshitting so now we've got that out of the way all right john hit me leonardo dicaprio six hit me call it Romeo and Juliet, Titanic, Inception, Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant, Catch Me If You Can. Very good. I you know, Six is a good... I reckon you could have gone to 10 or 9. but um, I was tempted to go 12 because I was all of a sudden thinking about The Aviator. I was thinking yeah. about... And then, but, but all it takes is one film to take you... Like, you think, oh, God, I struggled with um, thinking about Catch Me If You Can. And I kept thinking, mm. what's that film about catching him? No, I'll leave that till the end. Leave that till the end. You don't want to have a Truman Show gate like I had. Oh, dear. Truman gate. Oh, Truman oh. gate. Right, John, I've, with my one, I've gone with a theme, and my theme are they're all Emmas. What? So okay. I... Yeah, yeah. So what? I'm going to say my, my the first one I'm giving you is Emma Stone. Free. Okay, call it. La La Land. Yep. I'm American Gangster. Is she an American Gangster? Mm, I I'm not... I'm not convinced. I think I've got. No, it. she's not. Sorry, dude. Oh, this Sorry, is why I can't do this game, Flinty. It's too stressful. <laughs> like I just think of one, and then and then I panic. You're giving me free Emmas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hey, these are all Emmas that you have. I have 
you've literally reviewed films with these Emmas in this year, and you've said in each of these reviews other films they've been in that you've liked. So I'm sure once you relax a little bit, you, I mean, you could have gone with you could have gone with the favourite. You know, that was one of your films of the year so far. She's in that um, Battle of the Sexes. Uh, you reviewed that towards the end of last year. You really enjoyed that. So uh, I know, I know, it's the pressure. Anyway, okay. hit me with my one. What's what's my next one? Melissa McCarthy. Okay, I'm going to go with three. Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Happy Time Murders, and Bridesmaids. That was that was just so easy. Very good. Uh, well I done. wish I went five now, because all of a sudden Spy came up, and then Can You Ever Forgive Me? But mm. but I'd keep it low, keep it low. I'm already, I've already got points on the board. I can afford to take the hit, so I'm on nine at the moment. Yeah. Well okay, John. So, uh, National Treasure, another Emma... I'm going to go with Emma Thompson. Five. Five. All right, hit me. Uh, Love Actually. Yep. Uh, Sense and Sensibility. Yep. Nanny McPhee. Yep. Am I allowed to say one she's about to be in because I saw a trailer for it? Yes. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Late Night. Yep. Is that it, or I need one more? Yes, yep. You need one more. I'm going to push you in five more seconds. Is she in Pride and Prejudice? Let me just check. (laughs) Let me validate that. Let me validate that. I honestly don't. I couldn't say for sure, but it seems like she. Uh, She's not. She's not. Although she. No. Nah, she's not. Not nah, you're thinking of. She's been in Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> this is bollocks. It's a bricks. Uh, the Johnny English movie. She's in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Bridget Jones's Baby. She's yeah. She's and look. You, I'm surprised she's not been a Pride and Prejudice though. She's not been in any of that. She's been in the Men in Black movies as well. Who would have thought? And um, anyway, John. So for my my final one, mm-hmm. hit me, Donald Glover. Okay, I'm going to go with three, and I'm going to stick with three, even though I'm going to regret it. Uh, I'm going to go with Lion King, because that's coming out like round the corner. Uh, Guava Island, which is his film, and I'll go with The Martian. He's in that for a bit as well, and he's fucking brilliant too. Very good. So there you go. So I fin- finished on 12. Well, John, you've got one more round, mate, and again, it's another Emma. So... Uh, what, Let's see how you get on with this. What other Emmas are we talking about here? Well, bear in mind, sequels count. So you could rattle off a lot here if you just think of the sequels. Anyway, your Emma, your final Emma for this evening is Emma Watson. What? How many do I need to to win? You need you need 13 to win. <laughs> Third, well, I'm going to say 13 then. Okay, okay. She's been in 22 films, so if that, oh. if that helps... Wow. All right. Um, okay. I'm going to think of a couple of the the perks of being a wallflower. Great yes. movie. She was also Beauty and the Beast. Yep. Correct. Now I'm going to say Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yep. yep. A Goblet of Fire. I'll take that as an answer, but you should say Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter 3. 
Harry there's Potter not a film four. called Harry there, there's not a film <laughs> called Harry Potter 3 or Harry Potter 4 <laughs> I can't give you that <laughs> uh, they've all got their own names do you know what I was the only person of our generation that didn't watch Harry Potter so um uh, I, I gave you a way out on. there John I get there, there could have been eight films just on the Harry Potter stuff alone and uh, yeah like you say you, you, you even then started going for her lesser known ones which I thought oh my god he's actually going to do this now but there you, you, got, you stepped up on the most common ones which is the obviously the Harry Potter movies so John uh, unfortunately there's no points on the board this time uh, I'll try and go a little bit easy on you next time <laughs> no more Emmas I'm done with Emmas <laughs> well there we go call it call it call it think you can know it then call it streaming gems hey hi marcus yeah hi sasha hi hello hi long time Yes, yes, very long time. What's up? We're back for streaming gem this week. Always Be My Maybe is a Netflix comedy romance. Uh, it stars people like Ali Wong, uh, Rendell Park, James Salito, just to name but a few. Uh, it's directed by a person called, and I'm going to butcher a name here, so apologies, Namnataka Khan. And uh, yeah, this has been available for the last couple of weeks. John, what is your initial thought on this film? Oh, well, you know, it's a beautiful romantic comedy from netflix obviously it's gonna be uh a bit average <laughs> um i mean <laughs> i everything about this movie is predictable right apart from one thing and that's that keanu reeves pops up in it halfway through and i did not know that that was going to happen uh and it was a bit of a joy um so yeah i mean i think ali wong is obviously a funny lady. She's done some stand-up specials. Uh, she also did one while she was pregnant, which is pretty notorious. Um, really funny woman. And I think, you know, we had the laughter test for comedies, Flinty. What do we say? Yeah. Kind of five laughs uh, in a movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. If, if you laugh five times, then it's a comedy and, and it's a good comedy. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say this is a a great comedy but i definitely laughed five times um yeah and it is one of that you you kind of get the impression with modern comedies that they're feeling like they have to make you laugh every scene right and i don't think that they have to do that it's a bit needy <laughs> in my opinion but i will say i did laugh five times not uh, every joke but there was definitely some funny moments what about you comedy wise i i agree i think it's a, i think this is more of a charming movie than a comedy um from that perspective so just to give it the delo on on the narrative so basically ali and randall are basically two people that have grown up in america it's the concept is they're asian americans who who've lived in the same proximity to each other for most of their lives. At some point when they were teenagers, they hooked up. It kind of got a bit awkward, and then they went their separate ways. Uh, Amy's character went on... Sorry, Ali's character went on to become one of the world's most famous chefs. Uh, she has a relationship breakup and decides to come back home to to nurse her, her wounds, effectively. And that's when she, she, she meets back up with Randall's character, and comedy ensues from there. At some point, she gets a boyfriend during the film, and the boyfriend is Keanu Reeves and it is not Keanu Reeves playing a character it is actual Keanu Reeves and he is a fucking treasure in this film 
the way he walks in, he doesn't take himself too seriously. He plays up to his reputation of being a bit weird and a bit offbeat. And he is generally the scene. The best scenes in this film is when he is just riffing with these very very funny people. And um, I think you're right, John. It's not funny in terms of like the actual narrative is not particularly funny. But because these people are just so funny as individuals when they're cracking wise and they're just you can tell it's just improv ad lib bits that's where it's at it's funniest randall park i think is actually for my money one of the best underrated comedians out there at the moment uh, if you've seen ant-man and the wasp he's the fbi agent who's always chasing ant-man and uh, and there's something about diversity in this film um I think they've really gone out of their way to try and find as many minorities as possible and and sh- and put them in this film. And I do think the film is is far better for it. Um, I think in a world where we've got films like Crazy Rich Asians making a buttload of money, yeah, you, know, you get projects like this all of a sudden happening. So I think that's that's a great thing for entertainment. It's a great thing for comedy, and it's a great thing for diversity on screen. Yeah, from that that forefront, but all that aside let's just judge it as a film you know what this isn't going to rewrite the rule books of comedies this isn't going to make you go this is this is not as you know this this is not going to make you laugh as much as book smart does but it definitely is a charming film you know that's that's what i'll say mm, yeah i mean there's some great comedic p- performances i'll say karan sony his sort of um indian sidekick bandmate uh steals it for me i think he has some really funny moments um i i'd say randall and oh yeah Ali. He's guy from um deadpool isn't he he's the dependent from yeah. Deadpool. yes of yeah yeah deadpool yeah. randall park's voice if you could shut your eyes you could swear it was ryan reynolds uh unfortunately he's not quite as funny as ryan reynolds but that's i mean the same could be said for most people can't it really um i'd say it, there's an element of the irritation with me this is very woke comedy right uh similarly to book smart but slightly less self-aware i think i mean they're off uh, lots of time laughing at themselves coastal liberal elites living in their little bubbles in california um kind of rich and but there's uh, i i don't think there's the charm like i i don't care about the characters um quite so much as maybe they would hope you would watching it yeah um there's something kind of a yeah very liberal hollywood and i'm a liberal myself but that doesn't mean you don't get kind of irritated by the uh relentless onslaught of wokeness and kind of uh identity politic jokes that have you know seems to be the theme in a lot of these modern comedies um that being said i mean i definitely laughed five times in this movie which is that's our benchmark um i I feel like it's a low benchmark i mean when you look back to the (laughs) 90s i know i always talk about jim carrey movies but you'd watch ace ventura for the first time you're laughing 25 times right but comedy maybe is uh sunk a little bit from the glory days i'm sounding like an old man right now aren't i but yeah, how did you feel you are, about that? You are a bit old man cloud there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. Look, comedy is kind of not what it used to be. But I do think this year in particular, look, we've had we've had Booksmart. We've had uh, Fighting With My Family. We've had, uh, what else have we had this year that was also actually really funny? Um, oh, I can't think right now. You put me on the spot. But 
<laughs> of uh, crazy was crazy rich Asians this year. That was last year, wasn't it? But with my point is that we are. I think we're getting more comedies now. Obviously, it's not like how it used to be, but I think this is a positive step again in the right direction. Uh, long shot. That was, that was this year. That was good. Um, so yeah, we are. I think we're starting to get to a point where you can almost have a top five list of comedies for the year, and uh, this probably would would arguably get get in that top five. And um, I agree with you that there is a bit of politics in this film as well and if you try and shut your mind off from the preachiness of it there is some great laughs to be had the only complaint i really have is that it kind of fizzes out there's not really a a a real dramatic conclusion because the thing that you wanted to see was that oh she's with keanu reeves and we obviously want her to not be with keanu reeves she should be with someone else Uh, that kind of happens really really quickly so there's not really like a build up and dramatic but this is supposed to not follow the same narrative that we're used to seeing so you know i applaud it um like i say it's not going to reinvent fucking wheel i'm not going to sit there and tell you this is a film of the year but i'm going to tell you that it's a damn charming film and if you see it pop up on your netflix subscription definitely watch it i feel like this is a three out of five where do you where do you sit yeah, I'm in the free camp. It's it's a very easy watch, I will say that. It's kind of like a long TV episode of, you know, if you like New Girl or something, one of them charming episodes, very easy to watch, get, get yourself drawn in, predict everything that's going to happen, but you still kind of uh, enjoy the ride. Uh, definitely not groundbreaking but yeah i'd say three out of five is very fair no there you have it so always be my maybe three out of five available on your netflix account hi baby i missed your thighs i missed your beard scratching my thighs i missed your taste i missed your thumbs you're so good with your thumbs Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button that it is, that means that you get more content from Talk Film with me. Shout out to Ben, the guy who won our giveaway last week, the the little Spider-Man Funko that we got from Comic-Con. Again, thank you, MCM. That is on its way to you now. And every Monday, we are updating our playlist on Spotify, bangers from the pictures. John, give us a, a film that you love the soundtrack to. 500 Days of Summer. There we go. A couple of tracks will be in there. And speaking of which, how can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, uh, wallowing in the filth, at Descamento. (laughs) In the cesspool of humanity, that is Twitter. Anyway, we'll be back soon with another guest. Stay filmy till next time. Bye-bye. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.